Did you know that 2018 is officially the year of no nonsense? <laughs> it is. I said so. So I created this revolution, I'm calling it, um, with the year of no nonsense. And you can check it out at yearofnononsense.com. But I created this pledge and we have this group and it's totally free, but it's just a group of people who are saying, you know what, 2017 and, and prior has been a little bit of nonsense and I'm ready to define my life on my terms and to get rid of the nonsense and my particular brand of nonsense in my life. And we all have our own special brands of nonsense. You know what I'm talking about. Whether it's we go stand in front of the pantry after dinner and continue to shove food in our face, or we put up with um, unnecessary drama and gossip at work or in our personal lives, or we just have those people on Facebook that we have yet to unfollow or unfriend. These are all certain types of nonsense, and there's many more. So I hope you guys will think about joining us on this year of no-nonsense revolution to 2018 and beyond. I sound like Bud's Lightyear. But check it out, yearofnononsense.com. Today's guest is Iron Cowboy James Lawrence. You guys in the triathlon world, this guy's a legend. You know exactly who he is. In 2015, he took on the incredible feat that everyone said could not be done, tackling 50 iron distance races in 50 days in 50 states. And not only did he do it, but he he did it. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. It's such an incredible feat, but I really enjoyed this interview with James. Um, we talked about mental toughness and, and his wingmen and the crew and everyone that got him from the start of that big feat to the finish, but also the build up of the years leading to that big event. And I think this is such an important concept that everyone wants overnight success. Everyone wants everything now, but it's the buildup and the journey. It was 10 years from the start of him getting off the couch to accomplishing the 50, as he calls it. And that's a lot of time. And it's what you do in those dark times and dark hours when no one is watching that really helps build and layer the path for the success that you're really seeking. So very cool interview. Enjoyed this. He, his book, Redefine Impossible, is out now. You can get it at ironcowboybook.com. And the code, there's a discount code that he says at the end of the episode. So you'll have to listen for that. And then you can get $5 off the book. So hope you guys enjoy this episode with Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence. Welcome to the Same 24 Hours Podcast with Meredith Atwood. We all have the same 24 hours each day, and it's what we do with those hours that makes all the difference between our health, happiness, and success. Today's guest is the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence. Hi, James. What up, everybody? How are you? Fantastic. Uh, Christmas is my absolute favorite time of the season, and so it's right around like the corner. Are you like Will Ferrell on Elf? Uh -huh. <laughs> I, I, I could be, yeah. I, we actually, in my in my book, we actually reference, um, we actually reference a, a, something that he says. One of the chapters is actually called Ang uh, Angry Elf. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a bit of a Scrooge, so um, 
not intentionally. I don't not <laughs> mean to be. I just. I don't think we ever mean to be. No, I hate that about myself, though, especially with kids. I mean, you really shouldn't be a Scrooge. So I'm working on it. <laughs> we're, we're all a work in progress. That's right. That's right. So let's talk about you. And I was watching, I was clicking around on your website, and I was kind of, I know your story, and I followed you during your amazing 50-50-50 quest. Yeah. But one thing that struck me was the intro to your documentary where it says, in 2012, James Lawrence did 30 Ironmans and something about he needed more. And I didn't know you had done that much in 2012, <laughs> like to yes. begin with. So tell yeah. me, walk us through your story a little bit. How did you come to endurance sports and take on this big thing in, what was it, 2014, 15? 2015. 2015. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So. yeah it's, it's interesting. Like on anybody's journey, um, you, you see the headline, right? And the headline that people see is the 50. Um, but what's, what a lot of people don't realize is there's a decade worth of um, fighting, scrapping, grittiness before before these moments. And, uh, you know, my, my journey started by getting up off the couch and, and my wife and I doing a four-mile fun run. And, uh, and then from there, finding triathlon and the, uh, you know, multi-sport industry and, and just really falling in love with the lifestyle. Um, and for years I did sprints and Olympics and then started to evolve into the longer stuff. And then, uh, by accident broke the world record for half Ironmans in a year, strategically sought out and broke the world record for the most Ironmans in a year. And then, uh, yeah, at the end of that year doing the, the 30, um, official Ironmans for 11 countries, uh, wanted to tackle something a little bigger that would have more meaning, more impact. And, uh, and so we, we tackled the 50. So what was your 30 Ironman year like? Did you, were you just exhausted after that or were you energized? I mean, obviously you decided to tackle something more, but did you have any burnout after that? No, uh, you know, I, I was still just on, just on a cloud. You know, we, we came off of a big year. We, we, we really bootstrapped it. We had very limited support, no, very few sponsors. Um, in, in what we were trying to accomplish. And uh, it, my wife and I just, we both had this overwhelming feeling that there was more. Um, you know, you, you said that a few times. Um, but but I, I I didn't feel burnout until after the 50. And, you know, and, and rightfully so. But, um, but I've, 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 I have found a resurgence and, and I'm, I'm excited to, to race again this year. Um, I, did, I did four Ironmans this year. Um, My goodness. For, uh, f- I don't know if you've heard of like uh, the Norse man. Yes. Um, so so this year I did the Kelp man, the Swiss man, Alaska man, and Norse man. That was the so first. So you did ath- like the four easiest ones in the world. <laughs> right. Yes. I was I was the first athlete to do the, those four toughest. And as a warm up to that this year, I I rode my bike up Mount Kilimanjaro, and uh, and then ran 235 miles across Greece. And so I, I had a big year this year, um, but I'm ready to get back into like. Uh, more structured that was kind of like a play play fun adventure year yeah i'm ready to get back into like some structure and stuff i just needed that that mental break um, I, I almost did this year you know pretty much untrained just off of muscle memory i guess and some mental toughness but um, that's incredible your definition of a fun year <laughs> it really starts yeah. to get skewed <laughs> yeah oh, for sure it does i you know I, I speak around the world i get the, the privilege of doing that now for for a job 
And, uh, you know, one of the things I do talk about is, is perception and perspective and how different it is depending on where you are on your journey and what that means for each person. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. It's fun to, to be in a position to have a different perspective. And I also being two or two years removed from the 50 and, and being, you know, quote unquote out of shape now and having to, to get back to where I was, uh, you know, I, you have a better understanding and my perception of the 50 now is very different than it was coming off the 30 and I was in, you know, peak physical condition to conceptualize doing the 50 now. I, I just look at it and I'm like, that's not possible. And so I, I, I can now understand wh- where people were coming from when we started and, and the reaction that we got when we made the announcement to make this attempt. So let's talk a little bit about that. How did you come to the decision to do the 50 um, what drove it and what was the reaction? Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are familiar with the legend Dean Carnassus, and he he's kind of paved a way for for guys like me. And and I've kind of, you know, tailored my career off of if somebody does it with a marathon, is it possible with an Ironman? And uh, and his career was literally built on doing 50 marathons in 50 days through 50 states. And so coming off the 50, I was just like, what would happen? Um, and, and would we have the type of impact that we wanted to have if we did what he did with Ironmans? Um, and that's kind of what started the entire thought process towards towards um, towards this journey in 2015. So for those listening uh, who don't know what an iron distance triathlon is, let's break it down for them. How long yeah. is the swim? Yeah, so an Ironman is a, is a distance of a triathlon. Ironman is obviously a brand. Um, we are not I, talking about the branded Iron Man, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right. Disclosure. <laughs> Disclosure. Absolutely. Yeah, I've, okay. yeah I, I love the cease and desist letters that I get from, <laughs> from this beautiful company that I promote. Right. Um, so an Iron Man distance triathlon, a full distance triathlon, is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike, followed by a full marathon run, which is 26.2 miles. All of those three together equals 140.6 miles. Right. Or 220 kilometers. So when we were when you were talking about doing 50, you were talking about doing 140.6 miles a day for 50 days. Yeah, there's seven, another 50. Seven, seven consecutive weeks. Yeah, it was 50, 50, 50. What was the other 50? 50 days, 50 Ironmans, 50 states. Oh right, <laughs> the location. So how did you? logistically like what was your team like what was the you decided to do it you had a you were doing it for a cause right yeah we partnered with the jamie oliver foundation and they you know they have a food revolution and they they do they do a really great job of of teaching kids um how to eat food um, that sugar and refined is is not the the solution it's the problem yeah um and so we partnered with them we raised over a hundred thousand dollars uh for for childhood obesity awareness and education I love that. I I love Jamie Oliver. I saw some video where he was so showing fun. kids like vegetables and holding. He held up like a potato and an eggplant. They, they couldn't name it. They, <laughs> they couldn't were name like, it. What? Yeah, they're like, what the hell is that? That's, that's not a French fry. <laughs> one of, one of my favorite things and, and what resonated most with me with Jamie was um, I I saw a TED talk where he he comes out on stage and dumps out this wheelbarrow full of sugar. Yes. I can't imagine the cleanup of this thing, but just that visual. <laughs> Um, and it was the average consumption of, of sugar through, I believe it was soda that the average American consumes, kid consumes in a year. And it was just staggering um, yeah. to see that, to see that visual. And I was just like, ugh. 
I saw uh, that too, and I thought, yeah. man, that's got to be worse than glitter to clean up. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I can't imagine the crew that had to do that. Yeah, but that was that's a great, such a great cause, and um, yeah, excellent work. And it made me realize with our family. I mean, we fairly healthy and and do a good job, but taking the kids back to the basics, you know, like this is a potato. It grows in the ground, you know, that kind of stuff. I think it's a great, great cause. So where did your team come from and how did you guys prepare for this epic event? Yeah, man, I got so lucky with the team that I assembled. Um, You know, when we started on this journey, you know, I was like, oh, for sure, we're going to we're gonna have this awesome team. We're going to have so much money. We're going to be able to do all these really cool things. And when, when I started approaching sponsors and potential sponsors, they were like, uh, we can't afford to associate with a failure because you're, you're going to fail. And wow. so we're going to have to not participate. And, and I found two guys, literally two guys, Casey and Aaron, who ended up being called the wingmen, who Casey is a second grade school teacher. He has summers off, so he could come with me. Um, and I, I lied to Aaron. I told him it was going to be so much fun and I got him to quit his, I got him to quit his job. And so these two guys by default were my team. Um, and just, just the two best guys that I could have assembled, um, so much positivity, so much energy. So where Um, did you know them from? Uh, so I've been a coach for, since 2010 and, uh, and obviously an athlete, Casey was one of my, one of my rivals locally here. So we raced him all the time. We became friends. Um, and then Aaron just was one of my athletes that I, that I worked with, okay. um, just young, young and impressionable. And so these, <laughs> the, the, yeah, I, I manipulated him a little bit, but these, these two guys just were best of friends now. And, and, uh, yeah, just two really, really good guys. Yeah. When you rode through, um, I don't, I don't know if it's Iowa or Nebraska, but you rode with one of my teammates, Teresa, and she got to meet your wingman and she always still talks about how Dude, much fun in, you guys were. In, in Nebraska, those two jokers, they put, somehow they went to like a DI or a, like a type of thrift store. They found dresses <laughs> and they dressed up like Jimmy Fallon's ooh skit and just rode up beside me and just started going like Jimmy Fallon skit on me. It was oh, hilarious. that's funny. I remember they, seeing they had, a video of that. They had so much fun every single day, so it was it was a blast. They they, they really figured out a way to lighten the lighten the mood in just a, a dumpster fire of seven weeks. So walk us through. I know you can't walk us through all fifty days, but give us the high level highs and lows and what this feat really entailed. Oh man, uh, you know it's it's almost impossible to describe the highs and the lows because the highs were so high obviously the, especially the last day and the lows and the struggles are are, are you know you know almost hard to put into words you can't describe the compounding effect of an ironman every single day and what it took to to make this thing continue to move yeah you know i'm just just the level of exhaustion that that not only i was experiencing but the entire the entire crew it, it literally was minute to minute for 50 days of problem solving and figuring out really how to keep moving. What was the hardest part? Was it eating? <laughs> yeah, I had to consume 12,000 calories a day. And yeah. so to figure out how to consume that amount of food while moving, because if I stopped, I'd fall asleep. Like if I wasn't moving, I'd, I, it's over. And uh, and so, you know, trying to source that, that type of good food and to 
figure out a way to get it into my body and to figure out how to not get massive gut ache. I mean, people do a single Ironman and just GI issues up the up the wazoo. And so, to figure out how to how to manage that quantity of food um, was was extremely challenging. What were some of the staples? What did, what were the main things that you were able to eat? Um, I, I could eat anything, man. I was blessed with an iron gut, but, uh, you know, I ate a ton of, um, potatoes, eggs in the morning, oatmeal, and then throughout the day, just a ton of wraps, a lot of fruits, a lot of vegetables, a lot of avocados, a lot of nuts. Um, we, we were like, I was craving high fat, high density foods. Mm -hmm. So what was the hardest part about each day? I mean, well, let's, let's back up. up, Waking up. (laughs) I was going to say, let's talk about sleep. How much were you sleeping each day? I know it varied, but it couldn't have been much. No, on average, I was getting four hours of sleep that was on the floor of a moving uh, van um, on the freeway. How did you stay awake on the bike? That was one of the most challenging things that I had to do. Um, You know, it was just figuring out different techniques to to stay awake. Uh, It literally was the most taxing time. Once I got off the bike, I was like, okay, I know that I'm going to be able to do the marathon. Um, I can, I can figure out how to put one foot in front of the other, but moving on the bike, you know, you can get into a rhythm and you lose, I, if I lost concentration for three seconds, it, it, re, it was over. Like I crashed on day 18 because I, I did, I fell asleep on the bike. Um, and it's just that, I mean, we started, I started to get tunnel vision on day four. Oh and my so, goodness. To, so to wake up with, you know, staring down the, the prospect of doing 45 consecutive Ironmans when tunnel vision is setting in and the team has no idea what we're doing because we're, we're still trying to figure this out. Um, yeah, extremely daunting. I mean, people told you that you could not do this. What kept you going when you hit those times where you're like, I don't know if I can do this? Yeah, you know, when... When you when you when you have a big goal like this, and you you know you before you go into it, you really evaluate the reasons why you're doing it and what the risk and the reward is. And and again, my wife and I we we discussed openly many many times about um, what could potentially come of this, the impact that could come from this, and we didn't know what it would look like. Um, but we both had overwhelming, very strong feelings that um we had to figure out a way and so our why was very very strong um and almost not knowing what the ultimate why was and it was for us it was the amount of impact now post 50 that we get to have um i mean just as an example in the last 60 days so in two months um i went through 19 countries presenting um, wow. and having an impact on these audiences and the, the individuals in it. Um, and we just, we just share the story and, and, you know, we, we hit on earlier about perspective and perception on someone's journey. Well, everybody in the audience is on a different part of their own journey. And so when I just share my story, it, it relates to every single person there. Um, and it's just extremely humbling just to have the opportunity to have accomplished something like this and to have the team that I had behind me. And then now to get to go, have the impact that we're having to just spark one, two people in every single audience that they will go have the, the similar experience on their level and then have that ripple effect. It's, it's really, really fun. So mentally, what kind of preparation did you do for this feat? I mean, you had obviously, you were a 30-time Ironman just in one year before that. So obviously you have excelled in mental fortitude for quite some time. 
but did you do anything special for the 50? Yeah. Um, I think it was just a, a, a continuing evolution of mental toughness. I grew up, I grew up as a wrestler and, uh, and that, that's kind of when that journey started. And then, then, you know, the half Ironman world record, the full Ironman world record, all of those were mental stepping stones in order to conceptualize and then, and then start the 50. And then every single day on the 50, I got, you know, more mentally sharp and more mentally tough. Um, and as I chose to continue, um, you, you learn and grow and, and, and gain mental strength and fortitude. And so I, I'm still learning, you know, to sharpen that, that mental, mental toughness, but it's not something you just wake up on this. This was 20 years worth of, of intentionally doing difficult things, choosing to take the next step to where n- now I could, you know, attempt something of this magnitude. That's such a great point. So it was 20 years from off the couch to the 50. No, it was 20 years from my wrestling days. It was, okay, 10, from, it was 10 years from off the couch. Yeah. But 10 years. I mean, that's yeah, a long yeah. time. Yeah. yeah how, how many people are willing to stay the course for a decade of sacrifice yeah. and failures and no's before, I mean, before you get the, an opportunity to have a shot at doing something cool, right? Even even before we started, we nobody knew who we were still. Um, and, and then, you know, and I, and I still don't think we've hit our tipping point. Um, yeah. Of, of the exposure that is coming and the, and, and the, the, the opportunity to continue to share and tell the story. Yeah, that's so true. Just the amount of time and quiet struggle and hustle that you have to do. There's, there's no such thing as an overnight success. It doesn't happen overnight. There's overnight successes, but that overnight tipping point happens because of a decade of work. Yeah, I love that. I love it. So let's talk a little bit about your feet. Ha <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. That was the stuff that I just thought I, I don't think I could do it. Like when the stuff is peeling off the skin and the, I mean, how did you manage your feet? Yeah. My most graphic picture that I have of my foot, it's got the the red dots on one of the toes underneath the nail bed and those are nerve endings. And so it was a very, very challenging. And the, the peak of the pain, you know, was kind of day 16, 16 through 20 was very, very challenging for us. Um, and so, it's it's just it's just understanding how the mind and the body evolves and that it's not forever. Um, and my foot, you know, once it it heat, hit its peak trauma, and then it started to adapt and evolve, it, it got better. And as I learned how to manage that, but had I not given it the opportunity to learn, grow, evolve, and 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 adapt, you know, I, I would have I would have done less than twenty in a row. And, but I gave it that opportunity. I realized, you know, I talk about this on stage too, that the next step isn't going to kill you. And that's an opportunity. Every step that you take is an opportunity for your body to evolve and adapt on your journey. And, and mine was just a physical thing, but in life, as we're all on our own journeys, we're going to get adversity and struggles, whether it's emotional or spiritual or physical or whatever it is that we're going to encounter. And as long as we realize that progression is not what's going to to kill us. It's it's the progression that's actually going to help us to grow so that we can evolve. You said and you gave your foot the opportunity to grow. I don't know what that means. <laughs> uh, meaning I gave my foot an opportunity to heal oh. so that it would evolve. Yeah, not grow in size. Now it did swell. I, I ended up ha- more than halfway through having to order um, a second round of shoes that were a bigger size. 
I just think that's so interesting, though. You say like you're, you know, you're you're hurting so bad. You're you've got bare nerve endings, and you just keep going, and your foot is finally like the way you're talking about it. Kind of seems like your foot just was kind of beat into submission. It was like, okay, I can move past this. I mean, did your whole body feel like that at, at most points? Yeah, I mean, once you hit a threshold, now it becomes back to that mental conversation, just your ability to do ability to manage the pain. The pain didn't get any better, didn't get any, you know, it evolved and it was continually moving. And I loved it when I was feeling pain in different areas because I knew it was just uh, my body learning to adapt and it wasn't uh, a long-term injury, right? Because when something yeah. hurts every single day, now you've got a problem. But the fact that it was moving around was, was great. Like my shoulder, I tore my shoulder on day number five. That was an injury. And that's something that I had to just manage the pain. Everything else was always just like realizing and then giving my body the attention it needed during that given time to heal enough or evolve as we moved forward. Now, there was there was going to be a breaking point. It, and like, I don't know if it was 51, if it was 60, if it was 75, if it was 100. I, I don't know. I don't want to find out. <laughs> but but for me, I, I knew that as the pain was moving in different parts of my body, that that was a good sign. Because it wasn't staying in one spot for too long, meaning that we were going to develop something that was going to stop me. So what were some of the things that you went through mentally as far as, you know, being on the bike for an iron distance ride is very boring. What did you do to entertain yourself? Or did you just focus on your pain moving around? <laughs> well, the problem was, is I was focusing on the pain and early on that was a problem. And so once mm -hmm. I learned how to shift the focus, then that's when things became manageable. Um, and I think that's a great life lesson is, is where are you putting your focus and attention? Is it on all the things that are bad or is it on the things that are good? And, and I would notice, uh, with my heart rate alone, um, wherever my thoughts were, that was, was a direct reflection of where my heart rate would go. So obviously positivity means a uh, lower heart rate. Negativity means stress and heart rate goes up. And it was interesting for me to watch these biometrics happen just on attitude and uh, alone. Um, and so that, that was a really cool realization that wherever I put my focus and attention um, w would be the end result. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know if you've heard people say, but an Ironman is training and the bike ride is a long conversation with yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me, it's a great opportunity for for you to ask and have honest conversations with yourself. You know, again, I talk from stage about um, asking yourself who you are, who you want to become. Um, and I think one of the biggest things is have you forgiven yourself for your past? Yes. Um, because in order to move forward, you've got to let go. You've got to learn the lessons from the past, but you've got to let go and forgive yourself. And that that's ultimately how you're going to progress. And so I, I love long long bike rides because it's an opportunity for me to reflect and be honest. And so I had 50 consecutive days of reflection and honesty to where I could make some changes, adjust, and see where I wanted to put my focus and attention. Yeah, I didn't train for long distance this past year, and I realized I did as much as I claim to hate the long rides. I missed <laughs> that meditation for five, yeah. six, seven hours. Yep. Now, now I get to do that on airplanes, but <laughs> <laughs> it's not quite the same though. Is it's it? not. No, you get too many distractions. I can, I can completely unplug and get in the mountains up here. And so it's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's talk about smells. What did this whole trip smell like? <laughs> huh? Yeah. That, you know, it's amazing. I have had a bazillion questions asked to me and I, that's, I think 
congratulations because yes. I think that's the first time someone's asked me that. Well, I have one um, more. I bet you haven't been asked. <laughs> okay, good. Um, the uh, yeah, you know, everybody. You know, I was consuming so much food and figuring out how to digest that I was very gassy. And so, you know, when they when they would open that that door on the, the, to what, try to wake me up, it was a, a shock <laughs> a shock for everybody. I mean, but I mean, it was just so chaotic, and we we had. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure it just smelled awful. <laughs> That's funny. Well, at least you got a nice uh, bath every morning with your swim, right? Absolutely. Yep. So, talk <laughs> about the swim a little bit. Where did you do most of the swims and pools? Uh, actually, we did 30 open water. And then wow. 20 in pools. Um, and, and most of the swims in pools were on the back half because um, as I got lower in body percent, uh, fat body percent, I got down to 4%, I became very cold. And um, we didn't know how many panic attacks I, I was looking at. And we really needed to start to control for safety reasons that environment. And any pool was also had a hot tub, which helped me to warm back up fairly quickly before I went out on the bike ride. Yeah. Okay, so another question is, let's talk about your taint. How, yeah. Did you, <laughs> yeah, how in the world did you manage that sort of pain? Yeah, you know, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. Um, I, I developed, I, I think it was like a he, like hemorrhoid almost. Um, and the, the initial hour on the bike ride was very painful and very uncomfortable. And I, I guess I would just like almost beat it into submission <laughs> to where, to where the, the, the second half or the, the last two thirds of the bike ride was manageable. Um, but yeah, just to, to get on the bike, um, to start was, was very, very challenging, but it was like, it was that same way with all three sports to start. Any of them was difficult to warm my shoulder up, to get that thing moving, um, to warm my taint up and get that thing going <laughs> and then, to, you know, get off the bike and, and start to stretch out again. Um, on the run from being in, in a, in a tri position for, you know, six, seven hours. Um, have you done any like by the numbers type things as far as your 50 days? Like how many tubes of lube did you use? How many pounds of potatoes did you eat? Yeah. You know, we, we did some of those things coming off the 50 and there's some, there's some fun articles in uh, men's fitness and, and uh, a couple different ones where they did by the numbers thing. Yeah. Uh, and just how many potatoes and how many tubes and how many, all these different things and how many miles and how many calories. So yeah, it's, we, I don't know them off the top of my head, but there's, there, there are some, some interesting um, articles out there that cover some of that. Yeah. So let's talk about your relationship with your wife and how she managed to continue to not kill you during this process. Like <laughs> yeah. How did you, how was that relationship? And did she know what th the right things to say the whole time? Did you regret anything you said or did? No, we, you know, that, that's, that was one of the things that ultimately turned out to be a miracle was how calm we all were. Um, we, we over communicated early on what the task was and what the goal was. And me and the two wingmen and my wife, we all understood that panic and disarray was only a distraction and doesn't get us any closer to where we were doing. And so for the majority, um, there was always three of the four that were very calm, um, that were, you know, very attentive, um, and, and there was, there was side conversations when someone was, you know, losing it or missing home or having a struggle or whatnot, but it was very, very few and far between. Um, my, my wife is amazing. Um, she had obviously her moments as we all did. Um, but she's, she's a very, very solid individual. She has incredible vision. Um, she understands the big picture. Uh, we communicated all 
of what the purpose of this was, why we were doing it. We we understand sacrifice and levels of sacrifice at certain times on the journey. Um, and and we, we both support each other um, 100% with whatever we're trying to do. And so, um, yeah, we, we make a very, very cool team. Um, she, she's more dynamic than I am. Um, I think you're fairly dynamic, James. Uh, <laughs> then thank you. Um, she, she'll, she really, you know, we, we've got five kids and, um, she loves being a mom. She's an incredible mother. And so that, that's what, that's what her role is right now okay. is, uh, is, is being with the kids. There will be, she, 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 she has her psychology degree. She wants to go back and get her master's. Um, and she loves to teach and impact women and, and so there will be a day where she, where her side of the story will be told. Oh, that's good. Uh, people still crave kind of the, this side of it. But without doubt, every time I present, somebody or somebody's will come up and say, I'd love to hear your wife's side of the story. Yes, absolutely. That would be that, exciting. That, that'll be uh, – th- there's there's a book in the works that'll that'll be, you know, her side of things. Oh, I love it. I love it. So let's talk a little – I've had a lot of guests on the show who when we get – to talk about motivation and willpower and kind of those elusive concepts. I have a theory that motivation is just kind of not a real thing whatsoever, that it kind of boils down to discipline. What, what are your thoughts on motivation? Like when people say, oh, I just don't know that I have the motivation to do X, and especially yeah. after you've done such an incredible feat. Yeah, I, I absolutely hate excuses, um, and I actually don't like motivation either. Um, the, I, I have yet to find, cause I, that's what I do. I speak now and, um, the only, you know, everybody's assumes you're a speaker. So you're a motivational speaker. And I loathe the word motivational speaker because that's <laughs> not, that's not what I am. I actually, the first thing I say when I got on stage is I say, I am not a motivational speaker. I'm not um, here to motivate you. <laughs> I'm not here to motivate you because to me, motivation is a fleeting thought. Yeah. Um, and, and my goal is to empower you because to me, empowerment means I've done something that has moved you to action. Um, and, and that means you've been empowered to actually do something. Motivation is just a thought, um, that, that, that goes away if, if you're not, you know, dedicated and have a work ethic. And so what I try to do is I try to empower somebody to create a habit. Motion creates emotion. And if I can get you to start moving and doing something, um, overcoming some of those initial fears, give you the general understanding that it's not as scary as you thought it would, and you'll actually enjoy the journey once you start on it. Um, that's that's what I try to do. That's and if I could figure out a title for what I do <laughs> over motivational speaker, I would I would love anybody's feedback on what I can. You call just what said you said empowerment. You're an empowerment that's speaker. That's true. You're an empowerment speaker. So. I think there's a lot of emphasis on, you know, having the courage to take that first step and to start. And, but I, I almost feel like there's too much emphasis on that, that there's not enough emphasis on consistency and kind of the next step and, and habits and building on that. So what are your thoughts on, on beginning and continuing? Yeah, my, one of the biggest messages in my presentation is the secret to success is one, doing work, taking action combining vision with massive amounts of action but the secret truly is doing a lot of little things consistently over a long period of time and those are the basics we try to overcomplicate. we try to rush the process um, people are really rigid with how they're going to get somewhere they need to open up and, and kind of flow a little bit better um, but to me that is that is truly the key again a decade's worth to get me to this point 
um, 20 years to get me to this point mentally. It's, it's being consistent and showing up every single day. Um, there's famous quotes out there. It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up, you know, and without being cliche, it's, it's true. I mean, how many time, how many knocks can you take? Right. Uh, to, you know, the moment you stop taking a knock, stop getting up, that's when your journey's over. And so uh, I'm of the opinion you can never be standing still. You're either moving forward or you're moving backwards. And mm-hmm. if we get too comfortable, we're moving backwards. You have to intentionally become uncomfortable. Um, and, th- and that's that's kind of the, the process that I take people through. Especially on the bicycle. Yeah. You cannot stop. Don't you cannot stop. close your eyes. You follow <laughs> So as far as goal setting, obviously you have set some really huge goals, but you mentioned earlier in the interview that you started with a, a four, a four mile or four K run. Um, how do you advise people or coach people as far as goal setting goes? Yeah. So you got to break it into two phases. You've got to have the giant goal and the destination that you're trying to get to. And that goal will evolve and change based on the journey and the perception, right? So my big goal was half Ironman world record. Well, once that became my new normal, I shot for the full Ironman world record. Once that became my new normal, it was 50 consecutive. And so um, everybody's heart is different, but once you achieve a level of heart, now that becomes normal. And so as far as goal setting is concerned, like with, with my with my athletes that I get on the newest one who wants to become an Ironman, they, they have the goal, but then I give them their first week of assessments and workouts. They're like, that was so hard. There's no way I can do an Ironman. And I say, okay, well, look, that's the big goal. Let's shelf it. And now we need to focus on today and today's goal. Because if you trust the journey, the process, the team that we've assembled, then all you have to focus on is today's step. And you will adapt and evolve if the plan that you have is is good and that you adapt and evolve through that. And so, yes, set the big goal have giant dreams. I'm a huge advocate of that. But then put the right team in place and understand that the next step you take is the most important. And as you evolve and grow daily, that'll bring you closer to accomplishing the goal. By the time you get to the start line of your Ironman, it should be a victory lap, knowing that you've done the work and and grown every single day. Yeah. So I have a question from um, someone on my Facebook page, Kirsten. Um, she said that she is or- she's a high school teacher and organizing a 500-plus mile bike ride for the high school students at the end of the school year. She's been sharing your book and your story with them, and they're excited and anxious about this challenge. Um, what words of wisdom would you have for them? Wow. Um yeah, do you know every every journey and the success of the journey hinges on the preparation and effort before that moment. And so my advice would be don't cram for this test. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is this is something that demands respect. Um, a 500 mile bike ride, um, it it deserves preparation. Um, and, and so my advice would be. Take massive amounts of action starting today so that you can enjoy that process and that journey once you get there. Um, the, the experience will be different for those who prepare at a high level and for those that show up unprepared. So decide what type of experience you want to have, and that will dictate the amount of preparation that you should put in. We should set up a call. We'll do a Skype, a Skype session with that class. Oh, that would be awesome. I love that though. It's so true. I mean, we, one of my biggest pet peeves, and I don't want to 
call anyone out, but it's just when people register for a race and they're uh-huh. like, oh my gosh, I've done it. And I'm like, you have not done anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's all about, that's the easy part. I mean, I think a lot of us feel like, oh, well, to get to the point to even press register is big. And it is. And I don't mean to discount that, but for sure, you're right. The hard work is, is what comes after. It's the daily grind. It's the consistency. Yeah. It's, it's showing up. It's when you don't feel like doing it another second and you still go and you do it. One of my favorite videos or commercials of all time um, was aired in the last Olympics and it was the Under Armour Michael Phelps video. Yes. Uh, when it, when the whole premise of it was it's the hours that you put in in the dark when nobody's watching is when you get to see the limelight. Um, that was the, the general message behind it. And it was a very well, like I just got goosebumps. But it was I, did, a very, I know, I did too. Very, very <laughs> It was a very, very cool, well put together, um, but it's that whole concept or theme of it's doing the work when you don't want to and when nobody's watching. It's super cool to post your glamorous shots on Facebook, but it's the it's the, the work that goes into the shots that you don't see on Facebook, the grittiness, the consistency. That's what makes, again, it goes back to nobody saw the 10 years that, that, that I grinded when nobody mm-hmm. was watching. Um, Well, and I think, too, there's also a misconception that you can't be gritty and grind at your level. I mean, for example, today I'd had a five-mile treadmill run. It was just a standard weekly run, and then I was going to CrossFit afterwards. And I did a half marathon on Sunday. I didn't want to do this hour run. I'm sore. I'm bored. I was tired. But that was such a mental checkbox. It felt amazing to do it. And no one cared. No one was watching. My coach wouldn't – I'm not going to get applause for that, you know. But to check off those little small workouts when you just don't want to do it, those are the huge gains. And I think people discount where they're starting from that going on a five-minute run is huge. Yep. You know? It's it's the sum of all activities that lead to greatness. Yeah. Oh, I like that. That's good. I just came up with that now. Write it down. Write it down. I should. (laughs) (laughs) Quick. I guess we can replay it. That's okay. Um, Okay. So Carly has a question. Knowing what you know now, and I think I know the answer to this, knowing what you know now, would you do it all again? (laughs) Um, Hang on. I'm writing this down. (laughs) Um, It's so hard to come up with Iron Cowboy originals, right? Right. Um, so make that into a poster stat. Yeah, exactly. Quick before this airs. <laughs> um, no, the uh, I, I get this question a lot, and I would I would not do it again a second time, but I would definitely do it again the first time. Um, being naive about what a journey is going to take is a blessing. Um, looking back, had we known what it was truly going to take, and the effort and the impact that it would have on us. Um, you know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have towed the line on the first one, but, yeah. but being, being naive about the journey, um, is, is incredible. Mm-hmm. And, uh, because it, it truly is the journey and the adversity and the lessons that you learn on that journey that you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have learned had you not, you know, not taken it on. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't duplicate it, mm-hmm. but I would do it again the first time for sure. Yeah. So what's your favorite place? And this is Allison's question. What is your favorite venue to race out of all the races you've done? Yeah, I've done over 90 Ironmans, um, about 50, 50 half Ironmans. And so I've, I've been through 20 or plus countries racing. Um, I love racing in Europe. Um, 
the, the race I did in the Swiss Alps this year was, was really, really cool. Um, to go to the highlands of Scotland, that was awesome. Um, but, it, you know, what's interesting is, is every race is, is unique in its own way and has certain elements of the number one, right? Because it's, it's meaningful and it's part of your journey and it's one of the stepping stones. Um, but, yeah, some of the iconic places, um, you know, Kona is obviously special. Uh, I've had the opportunity to do that. Um, but yeah, the Swiss Alps, one of my favorite places. I love racing in Germany. The energy there is super cool. Um, yeah, if you get a chance to go to Europe and race, it's fun. Yeah, very cool. Well, so I have one more question for you. Um, this podcast is called the same 24 hours and it means that we all have the same 24 hours in our day, Thank but you. it's what we do. <laughs> That's like another yes. pet peeve. I feel like you Mine and I should too. do a show like we do. our top pet we peeves. Should, we should just like do a rant show. <laughs> I hate Just that. go. Yeah. If Agreed. I only had more hours in the day. Well, you don't. You have 24 just like exactly. me. Exactly. Shut the hell um, up. Yeah. So it's what you do with those 24 hours that makes you, you know, the best version of yourself. So what's something that you've done and that you do on a continuous basis every day that you can attribute to, you know, moving forward and your success? Like what's some daily practice? Yeah. Number one is obviously going to be show up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but aside from that is like I, I have a stack of to-do lists beside me. And, and for me to have success, you know, that again, that's, that's the big goal, right? Knock all these out. Um, but I, I, every single day I'll go through my list and I'll go, okay, these are my top three today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'll just attack those. Um, cause we just, you know, we live in a day and age of massive distraction and, 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 you know, where's the shiny light. <laughs> right. And, and so I, I have to disconnect from all the things I have to do, the big picture. I know what it is, but I got to disconnect from it. And then I pick three and then, uh, and then, and then knock those out. And then at the end of every day I go, yeah, I accomplished what I was, I was out to do today. And tomorrow I get to show up again and, and pick three more. That's awesome. So what's next for you? <laughs> the, the number one question. <laughs> right. And then I always think in the back of my head, will I, will it ever be enough? <laughs> right. Will it? Well, yeah. Let's answer that question. Is it yeah. enough? Have you hit the wall? Yeah, no, you know, for me, for me, I really enjoy doing what I do. Um, will I ever top the 50 physically and mentally? Probably not. Um, no desire to, um, you know, milestones and what's next don't always have to be in the same category. And for me, what's next is physically, mentally, I get to do cool adventures now. Um, I get to go have impact. Um, but for me, really what's next is, is helping people to have their 50. Um, and what that means to them. And so, you know, we, we have the whole coaching platform that we do. I get to speak around the world and impact these people. Um, I love coaching athletes, helping them achieve their goals. Um, we're coming out with a whole mental training program that's really going to help people because that's that's the number one question is how do I how do I break through mentally? How do I achieve that? And so now I get to, to kind of go create and I, I, get, I get a new platform. Yeah, there's physical challenges that are coming up that if you want to, know what those are you got to follow my social media um but yeah 2020 will be an interesting fun year for us that's a little teaser very cool Uh, but for me what's next is just just uh, taking what we've done and helping people to accomplish um their version of the 50. well i enjoyed this so much i loved following you i don't want to ever see pictures of your nervy feet again (laughs) me neither But um, your book, let's talk about that really quick. Um, yeah, what a fun fun journey to write that. Um, yeah. It's called Redefine Impossible. 
Um, and, I, and I believe that's that's really the the undertone or, or the big message that I want people to understand is is that stop comparing yourself against what the current standard is or what people tell you the current standard is and go go create your own version of excellence and redefine your impossible. Um, and so it's it's a journey of the 50, but it's also intertwined with the history of our family and, and my journey on how we got to that point where we could even conceptualize it. It's not just for an athlete. It's for everybody trying to accomplish or move forward or, or do anything in their lives. Um, just been a really humbling experience to hear the reactions from people um, and, and, and what they've been able to go out and accomplish because of our story. Um, it's just it's just been a lot of fun doing some book tours and signings and and things like that. The book can be purchased on Amazon. It can also be purchased through uh, one of my sites, ironcowboybook.com. Um, okay. And if you put in the the discount code, thank you five, just the number five, thank you five, you've got a five dollar discount. Oh, cool. So thank you in this holiday season for all the support and love that we've received over the the past decade. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, James, and we'll look forward to seeing. What's next? And then <laughs> if you have enough, what, what we can have another interview about when is it enough? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> All Thanks right, well, so take much. Care. Yeah, bye bye.